Happy New Year to you. Amen. It is a blessing to be uh, alive in 2015. I don't know about you, but I am excited to be alive. Amen. Amen. And as I look back over 2014, I know that God in my life has been faithful. Amen. He has been faithful. Let me tell you about that run before I start, and that's not even in the notes, but, and I shared this with Pastor Rand before. When I first, when we left and came back uh, from Tennessee, uh, the first, second, second time, <laughs> when it was the first time when you were in the building, and so it was after that time, and I remember when I walked in, and I shared with Pastor Rand, I said, I had this just feeling in me just to run. Right. When I when I walked in and it wasn't about the building or whatever and, and the newness of all that. But it was the fact that the presence of God was so thick here yes, that I, I, I it just like in my mind, I just felt like running. Right. Yes, Lord. And so I didn't respond and I didn't react on it. And then I got in and then, you know, so everything was going I'm head, waving and hugging and everybody and stuff like that. And then I saw Pastor Rand run. Right. And I was like, dang. I wanted to run. But now I don't want to run because if I ran, people would be saying, like, I ran because Pastor Rand ran. And Taran, Taran. And so I hesitated and pulled back because you know how we get. Oh, he's just doing that because Pastor did it. Yes, But I'm not starting 2015 like that anymore. If God tells me to do something and Pastor Rand just happened to overhear it. <laughs> And he responds faster than me. It's not going to let me uh, hold back from responding the to the Lord. I thank my sister Mimi because she has lost her natural mind, too, as well, in yes, Jesus God. Christ's name. And so when she ran, I'm like, oh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm going to get some of this, too. So I want to encourage you that this year that you get out of your comfort zone, you die to yourself, and you begin to respond and do the things that God has called you to do. So if it's waving your hands, if it's clapping your feet, if it's running around or whatever, if it's shouting, I am giving you permission in Jesus' name to do it. Hallelujah. You let people talk about you because they're going to do it anyway. That's what I found out. (laughs) So I am encouraging you and giving you the permission to be obedient and respond and worship to the Lord. Amen. Amen. When it all said and done, you have to answer to him anyway. Amen. 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 Let us pray. Eternal Father, our God, reveal yourself to us in this brand new year. Call us out of hiding. Convict us and create in us a clean heart. So that we will do the work that you called us to do. And it is in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Would you go with me? And I have it on the screen here. Um, Israel. I mean, the book of Isaiah. They're talking about Israel in there. But the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. So... Get up there. Okay. Now I'll be reading from um, New Living Translation, beginning at verse 14.
So I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go back and write it down anyway. I look for it later because I wanna do it in integrity. Because I, I mean, this actually speaks to what Pastor Rand was talking to me about as we were going into this year. But not so much in those words, he just left it as creativity. So I get up the next morning, you know how you verse. You verse, you know, they love to kick out these verse of the day, right? So I get on verse of the day, and Isaiah 43 pops up. Yes, sir. And the verse says, Behold, I'm about to do something new. Yes, sir. It has already begun. And I said, oh, my goodness. So I'm studying this scripture out. And so when I looked at it, I looked at it and I said, creativity is coming out of barrenness. Now, that's just Dr. Cynthia James. For those of you who may know her, she is able to kind of articulate and she's so professional and so proper. And, you know, she's just like, oh, she's just just on, you know, she's just very respectful and she carries herself, you know, just that's just the way she preaches. So I wouldn't have said it like that. Creativity is coming out of barrenness. But I would have went over into Romans 4:17, you know, where it says that God speak those things as though they were not right. But in the New Living Translation, it says new things are coming out of nothing. <laughs> new things are coming out of nothing. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about creativity is coming out of barrenness. New things are coming out of nothing. Let me give you just some quick definition of creativity. And the reason I want to give you the definition of creativity, because you see a lot of things that are being created around us, all around us. Right. So creativity is the process of bringing something new into being. Creativity requires passion and commitment. It brings to our awareness that what was previously hidden and points. Here's it. Thinking, then producing. Thinking and then producing. So the point is, is that I want you to know that it has to go together. There has to be thinking and then there has to be a response to what you thought. And, and what I found out is that you can be thinking and you will not be creative. You will only be imaginative. Woo. You would just look in the clouds and just think, oh, one of these days I will fill in the blank. But creativity calls calls us to think and then produce. Creativity is coming out. Of barrenness, creativity is creating something out of nothing. So God sent this message to Isaiah back to the text. To the people, and he said, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. And he goes on to say, God says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. So he is telling the people that I am the creator. Right. And so you can't be a creator unless you work in creativity. So let me tell you what, what I mean. So we go over to Colossians 1, 15, verse 17. It says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation, all created things together. God created everything. Therefore, creativity begins with him. Even in the beginning, in Genesis, you find creativity coming out of barrenness. Even in the beginning, you see creativity coming out of nothing. According to Genesis chapter one, you know the story, but I just want to highlight it. Okay, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. The earth was formless, empty and dark. Genesis chapter two, verse four and five says God goes on to explain when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth yes, sir. for the Lord God had not, had not yet sent rain to water the earth yes, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. It sounds to me like the earth was barren when you look at the text and when something is barren, it is not producing. It's unfruitful, incapable of reproducing itself, sterile without capacity to interest or the capacity to attract. The earth was dull, boring, and not producing results. Nothing yes, sir. was going on. You get my point. It made me think about, and I have to be able to bring it back to how does it address us today? Well, when we look at yes, nothingness, when we look at barrenness, when we look at unfruitfulness, when we look at lacking the ability or the capability to re reproduce itself and to attract something to itself, I have to begin to think about, forgive me, the church. Yes, sir. It always has to go back to there. Right. Because God, Jesus said, upon this rock, I built my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right. But don't you know that the gates of hell may not prevent against it. But sometimes we can go up and start shaking the gates and trying to break it down. <laughs> so let's look at this. Every December, there's a research group called Barner Barner Group. Um, they compile every year um, like this trend about different things. And so one of the reports that came up said that fewer Americans are attending church. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> church attendance is decreasing and it doesn't matter what the style of church may be. They go on to say traditional or non-traditional are both the same when it comes to attendance. How does the church remain relevant? How does the people of God continue to be relevant in their lives? What is God calling you, calling us to do differently? You know, the saying and we've worn this saying out that that when we do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is called what? Insanity. Insanity. Yes, sir. It is so true. Insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. One of the conversations that I've been having with some some uh, some of the uh, brothers and, and, you know, as it comes out, you know, we're talking about things and stuff like that. I've been saying a lot, a lot lately. How do we as a church minister to the church 2015? Yes, sir. How do we minister to the church 2015 and beyond? You know, I kind of take this reference from the same from the educational system uh, uh, where I kind of have my circle of influence. 
oftentimes we are preparing students for right now. Yeah. But by the time Trinity yeah. and Ashton yeah. and AJ and Elias and some of you guys, your kids, by the time they get out of school, it's no longer 2015. It's 2020 and so forth. And so we are we are yeah. wasting time preparing them for right now. So just like the church, we do the same thing. We oftentimes prepare us for right now. But what are we doing to prepare the people of God for church 2015 and beyond? And I begin to question, I begin to say now, when you look over the historical aspect of the church, you know that in the beginning, because we talk about uh, Adam uh, and Eve and we talk about their children, Cain and Abel, they did not go to church. They were out working in the fields. They were out going about life and God spoke to them and they built altars. When you look throughout Genesis, when you go through the scriptures and they built altars. But then it came a point where Moses came and the children of Israel went out into the desert and they began to build a tent of meat which is also called a tabernacle. Then you go on farther. And then so David wanted to build a house for God. And so he could not do it. His son Solomon did. And so they built this immaculate, wonderful, beautiful temple where people would go and worship God. Right. So then you go on into the New Testament. And in the New Testament, so you're seeing these changes with church. Right. So you get into the New Testament and they had synagogues. And we had temples because the Bible says that Jesus went to the temple as was his custom. Right. Yes, so it was a temple. Then you see in the beginning of Acts that when the Holy Spirit came down and they went out into the streets and they began to preach. The thing that has happened is not that we're drunk, but it is the spirit of God fulfilling what he spoke to the prophet in Joel. That the spirit would come down on men and women and children, old and young Jews and Gentiles alike. And there would be no favoritism. But then they begin to have churches from house to house, breaking bread, praying together, teaching the word of God. And so they were having a house church. And then here comes the Apostle Paul. He comes along and he said, now we're going to start planting churches. (laughs) So my question is, is where is the transition now? Because out of all those years, we are still having church like back then. How are we ministering? How are we preaching and teaching and evangelizing and reaching out to the lost in 2015, church? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's no surprise with all of their studies, with all of their research, that there are fewer attendants at church. Wow. Because people have moved on. They've moved on. We get church from online. I can go to Dr. David Jeremiah and go to his church right at the house. Yes, sir. I can pull up old YouTubes of Pastor Hinton in Chicago at the Apostolic Faith Temple Church there. And I can have church right in my house. Then I can go on um, Pandora and I can pull up my kind of worship music and have church on Pandora. Yes, sir. And pray. And go on with the rest of my day. My God. So when you think about it, we really don't have to come here and do anything. Huh? Well said. So I struggle with that. I struggle with that. People are kind of taking messages and not long, no, no longer like up here like what I'm doing, but people are turning them into rap. 
People are dancing. People are doing spoken word. You can't even get on YouTube without somebody posting a spoken word that somebody is doing. And it is powerful. It is powerful tearing the house down spoken word with analogies and assemblies and metaphors. People post videos like like doing skits and stuff like that. And you really don't have to come and sit at church. What are we doing? So when we look at the church, I can see the barrenness. But I want you to know that creativity is coming out of barrenness. I want you to know that even in the house of God, when we think about barrenness, you can be actually here and not really here. Because really, It's hard for us, and I speak even to myself, it's hard for us to fully commit because we don't want to be hurt or disappointed. So I'll go to church and I won't join or participate because I really don't want to be hurt. Not only that, because I just hate being like boxed in, you know. I just get like like the shivers with the door closed, you know. (laughs) And so I'm always sitting and looking for the exit signs. And so what I do is when I come and participate in something, I always leave one foot in and one foot at the door like a stopper so it doesn't close all the way. So soon as I get offended, so soon as I don't like what's going on, if it's not to according to my status, I can just kick that door out and get on out of here. I wasn't really committed anyway. Barrenness. A lack of interest. Maybe just a lack of interest. Jesus. People get in marriages like that. They go to school like that. They get into jobs like that. Lack of interest. Looking for the exit sign. I'm just here for a t- time being and I'm really like looking for that job. <laughs> I'm just here right now for a little bit until, you know, she or he makes me upset and then I got to look somewhere else. Speak to I don't like that church, so I can go to this church. I can go online, like I said earlier, go to church online. I don't like this school. We lived in Tennessee where at the high school they had these robberies, right? One, one of the schools that we went to was called Science Hill, and our robbery, rival team was uh, Dobbins-Bennett. And the city was close enough. One was in Kingsport, the other one was in Johnson City. But the city was close enough that if you didn't give my kid playing time and I don't like the way the coach is doing, then I'll just leave this school and I'll go over here to DB. And so we used to have this friend, Matanez and I used to have this joke like when we ain't like what things are going on, like I'm going to DB. (laughs) I'm going to DB. Barren. But glory to God. You know, in Genesis, the Bible said that the spirit was hovering over the place and and God spoke, spoke, let there be light. He spoke to, he said, produce. He spoke to the land and began to cultivate. He produced and created animals. Then he spent some time with us and breathed into us a breath of life. And the Bible says, which is amazing, that he created us from the earth that was barren, nothingness, and created us. And by him, what I believe, by him breathing in us and touching us and breathing upon us the breath of life life and handling us and informing us that he 
being the creator, creativity, created us and, and gave us everything that we need to also be creative. Yes, sir. Creativity is coming out of barrenness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for seeing it. Let me deal with a couple of things that can hinder creativity. Because I know God has called each of you to contribute something to the kingdom of God. Whether you're young or whether you're old. Come on, bro. God has created you to be creative. If you don't like what's going on, if you're upset about something all the time and it's always getting on your nerve and I wish they would have had this over here and why don't they have a skating ring and why don't they have something for the kids to do here in Ames and why did they close down the movie theater and why can't they get this particular restaurant here? Why not you create one? Speak, brother. Will you preach the word of God? So what hinders us from creativity? Fear. Ooh, that old ugly fear. I hate it. And I'm always shaking that thing off. We've all, we're always fighting. Fear. Fear to fail. I said it earlier when I began, and I'm not going to let fear conquer me anymore, this part of the fear. Fear of what others will say. Fear of what others will say. I'll be open here. I know I struggle with um, the way I talk. That happened to me from the beginning when I first came to Ames. I never knew I spoke differently than everybody else until I was told at a table in Friley yes, sir. in the dining center. Yes, sir. When I saw people like circling around my table, like, say something. <laughs> yes, sir. And I was wondering, like, what's what are you talking about? Like, you country, where you from? Yes, sir. <laughs> And I still get a little, like, uncomfortable, like, yeah. even speaking in public, you know? But I'm not going to worry about what others say. So I found out that there was a, a man by the name of D.L. Moody. Has a whole university, bookstore, whole bunch of books written. And they said he couldn't speak a lick. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Fear to fail. Fear what others will say. So what you fear? At least try. Hallelujah. The more research I do, and I try to tell students this, is that we have to be okay with failing. Now, don't you go to school and not, and like not turn your tests and stuff in. I ain't talking about that. I'm saying at least try. Study for the test. Put your all in it. And then if you fail or you don't get the grade you want, I tried. I put all of my effort in. You want to start a business and it doesn't work out the first time. I still remember this stuff, uh, this story uh, taught by John Maxwell about seven up. The person who actually created seven up. I don't know if you heard the story, but the person who actually created the drink seven up stopped at six up and somebody picked up the patent and did a little more fixing and created seven up. Hallelujah. Stop too soon. I tried six times, so. Must not be meant for me to create this drink. What is God calling you to create? Do you have a fear to fail? Do you have a fear of what others would say? <laughs> you trying to still make that drink? It's so nasty. And nobody ain't going to drink that stuff. <laughs> 
there are millions of stories out there of successful people that tried and tried again and failed and failed and failed till they got it right. Here's my favorite one. You're too busy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. No time to sit down and think. Remember, I said earlier, there are two processes to creativity. Creativity involves thinking and the other one producing. There's a lot of things that happen in that process that when, when we talk about being busy or too busy. Because what happens is you end up producing and you don't spend any time thinking. Yeah. And that's why you're failing. <laughs> and on the other side, you're thinking, like I said earlier, you're thinking so much and you got all these type of notes and you're too afraid to put it out there to kind of see how it does. Too busy. Look at what I found out about busyness. One, uh, it says that stress and excessive busyness are common causes of creative dry spells. So try slowing down. Giving your mind the freedom to wander is essential to fostering creativity and innovative thinking. According to Gary Klein, author of Seeing What Others Don't, The Remarkable Ways We Gain Insights. It says recent neuroscience research confirms that daydreaming involves the same brain processes that spark <coughs> imagination and creativity. He goes on to say here in this little article here, I worry about people who spend all their empty time when they're not in conversations, listening to music or podcasts or things like that and not leaving any space to just daydream. Yes, Lord. You notice it's always uh, what they, the, the spiders, the bugs, the man, help me out. Ear, ear bugs. Yeah. The, the things in your ear all the time. And then if that's not good enough to keep you from thinking and wondering and thinking about things and listening to what God is saying to you, if those earbuds not enough, you got to take these 12 inch speakers and slap them on your head and put like a small letter case B on there and make them in all kind of colors. And, and you got to listen to that. No time to think. And God is trying to speak to you and let you know what you can do in the thing that you're frustrated in. Thank you, Pastor. He goes on to say, when you're feeling stressed or overbooked, making a little time in your schedule to simply do nothing can actually boost productivity. An innovation secret favored by this, this uh, CEO, Jeff Warner of LinkedIn. I was reading this book. Uh, I'm also in the process of reading this book with Tanez and uh, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes has this book out called Instinct. Yeah. And I want to take this book and throw it out the window and drive <laughs> over it. I, I'm telling you, it, it, oh, my goodness, it, may, it upsets me so much because it, I know there's a lot of things that he's talking about is true in my own life. Yes, sir. And when I read, I'm like, oh, good. And I, and, I, and I take that thing and I set it down. But look at what, look at what he says. He writes in this one chapter about busyness. Many people think that being busy equates to being productive. However, many studies suggest that busyness is a sign of poor time management and lack of focus. You become exhausted simply because you're divided. There's no room left for your instincts to operate. 
You can't hear what your instincts are telling you above the noise clamoring all around you. So the notion that being busy means you are productive is absolutely not true. You know, we, you know, I've heard it said and I understand what we're saying as ministers and co-laborers in the Lord is that when Jesus came and he walked on the earth, he called men who were doing the work. They were doing things. And so we have said from the pulpit, we have said from podcasts, we have said in our messages that God calls us in the busyness of life. But what I actually want to reframe and just said that God calls us to do things in life, you know, while we're doing the work, right, while we're doing the work. So the notion that being busy means you're, you are productive is absolutely not true. In fact, some studies suggest that only 20% of what we do every day is our highest and best use. This means that 80% of what we do each day could be done by numerous others. And yet the unique contributions that we alone can make only take up 20% of our time. He goes on to say, imagine how much more of everything you could have if you switched those stats and spent 80 percent of your time doing what you were created to do and only 20 percent of your time tackling the mundane and ordinary. We spend far too much time investing in areas that are central to our core purpose and passion. One of the things I'm working on is working on the ability to say no. I don't mean to offend you, bruh, but I, I can't do it. I mean, I love to go and do that, but I can't do it because there's things I need to focus on. Yes, we sir. need to begin to get the clutter out of our lives so God can speak to us and that create, so that creativity can come out of your barrenness. Let me move on. I don't have enough time to, think, to talk about the other hindrances. There's five of them that I found on the text, and the third one talked about, our, our, as Joyce Myers would say, our stinking thinking. And I say that right. We're just too negative. That would never work. I wouldn't do that if I was you. We're just negative all the time. These are some of the things that hinder our creativity. And that can be a state of barrenness. Stuff falling all down behind me. I'm going to get you too. But God said, I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? <laughs> I love that. Do you not see it? The verse said, Isaiah, Isaiah spoke and said that God is about to do something new. And then he throws this in. It's already begun. Can you see it? There's things in my life. I, can't, I don't have enough time to talk about how we've seen it. When you have the opportunity to kind of remove yourself out of your norm and just step out a little bit and go see other things. And we had an opportunity to go down to Murfreesboro and God sent us to this church and it was called the World Outreach Church. And I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hurry up. But this church had the wow factor. I mean, we walked in and we walked into the, the, the commons area and it was a guy, I kid you not, Walking on stilts. I wanted to go up and hug his leg. <laughs> Jeremy has been, Pastor Jeremy has been preaching about we can have fun at church, right? Yes, Lord. We went one time because we went and visited some other churches and came back again. And we went down with the area that we, we, they have where the children go and stuff like that. We went down. There's another big old open space. And they had animals. Like a petting zoo right there. Yes, then the other time we went, we only went twice. So the first time they had the animals, the second time we went back, and this got to my heart, they had boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts just all out. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Hallelujah. I'm talking about enough for everybody. Now, I go back and forth every time I tell this story with my brother, a close, close friend of mine. He say, well, that's because they had a lot of money. But there are a lot of people who have a lot of money. There's a lot of churches who have a lot of resources, and they are not being creative. Yes, sir. It's the same old thing. You go in this big old Immaculate Church, you sit down for 20, 25 minutes, listen to message, listen to some quiet, praise, and nice songs. And then you get up and everybody shake hand and smile and go back home and finish and do what they're going to do. Yes, sir. A lot of big churches like that. But God wanted us to see that, to bring it back to BCC. Yes, we were only there for like two and a half months. So obviously he wanted us to see something 